0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the
1: stock market each day.
0: I'm your host, Emily Flippin.
1: I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today, we're talking financials.
0: Today, we're talking consumer goods.
1: Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today, we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, October 18th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. If you caught last week's financial show, then you heard our earnings preview for the big banks. This week, we're jumping into what they all had to say with our earnings review. Here to make sense of it all, it's the one, it's the only. Certified Financial
0: Planner, it's Mr. Matt Frankel. Matt, how's everything going? Oh, just fine. It's a nice sunny and not too hot day in South Carolina, which (laughs) You only get a few of those before winter. Our fall is like a week
1: long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's contagious. It's uh, it's about that way up here too in Virginia. It's really nice, uh sunny day, cool outside. Seems like it's uh seems like it's really starting to turn into fall, which I think we're all we're all kinda happy about. I even got some got some Halloween decorating done over the weekend, Matt. You know, my, my kids are very proud of, of what I what I put out there this, this this year.
0: Yeah, our our house is all all decorated and um We have have a golf cart, so one of my kids' favorite things to do this time of year is drive around the neighborhood on the golf cart and look at all the decorations. (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. Good deal. Uh, Well,
1: Matt, we were talking last week about all of the banks that were getting ready to uh, announce earnings as earnings season has gotten underway here, and uh, we wanted to circle back this week and and take a look at these reports and see if there were any underlying themes and and just generally see how how these banks are doing. It has been a much, much different year, I would say, uh, this year versus last for these big banks. They're having a very good year-to-date for the most part, and and a a good trailing 12 months too. I mean, when you look at the performance for these big five, um, and let's just go in order here. We'll t- we'll take J P Morgan first because they announced last Wednesday. Uh, what what stood out to you in J P Morgan's report? We're always paying a little bit, I think, closer attention because of Jamie Dimon. Um, but 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 what stood out to you in JP, JP Morgan's uh, most recent
0: quarter? Yeah, well, there's a b- there are a few common themes among all of these earnings reports. They were all generally good. First of all, um, all five of the banks we're going to talk about beat earnings expectations, which is pretty impressive. Um, there were a lot of reserve releases which is one of the things we mentioned in the preview show last week if you remember. Um that that you know banks have you know more visibility into their their loan losses now now that covid's kind of I don't want to say winding down but definitely we're, we're moving on with life in general.
1: Yeah, we're in a much different place now than we were before and, and and yeah, it's 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 a much better situation for sure.
0: Right. So just to run down JP Morgan. Um they had a 2.1 billion dollar reserve release. And The reason I'm mentioning that first is because that was a big part of its earnings beat. It beat expectations handily. Uh, It it earned $3.74 a share uh, versus uh, $3 even was the expectation, but over $0.50 of those earnings were in the form of a reserve release. So The beat wasn't as good as it sounds, but it was still more than expected. Uh, Revenue grew 2% year-over-year, which is nice considering that interest rates are still pretty low. Revenue came in higher than expected. Uh, Jamie Dimon, who you mentioned, um, gave his thoughts on the economy and said he is really kind of impressed with economic growth, despite the Delta variant kind of making us go backwards a little bit during the third quarter. Um, I would call the second quarter really the reopening quarter of the year, whereas the third quarter, I think, I don't want to say it was a shutdown quarter, but things definitely took a pause a little bit in terms of in terms of reopening uh, in August and September. Um, interest income was actually better than expected, which is really nice to see. Uh, net interest income came in came in about two hundred million dollars more than expectations called for. Which remember, uh, interest rates are still pretty low. They started to tick up during the third quarter, but still very very low historically. Um, in the investment banking side of it, investment banking revenue was up fifty percent year over year. Um, that's that strong m a and, and IPO market we've been talking about uh, that we mentioned during the the preview. Uh, one potential negative uh, JP Morgan was the only bank that missed on some of its trading revenue and investment banking. They missed uh, on the fixed income side they, they came in well below expectations. Uh, they beat on the equities trading side so that kind of evened it out but still something to watch. Um, we've talked about it many times how trading revenue is like the least predictable type of, of banking income, um, but in general, overall loan portfolios up five percent year over year. Uh, Jamie Dimon called the loan portfolio loan growth stabilized, which is nice because remember loans were kind of declining for a little while there, and deposits are up nineteen percent year over year. So overall, really good quarter.
1: Yeah, I, the deposit number, I think, is, and, and we'll, we'll talk, I think, a little bit about that with the Bank of America as well. I mean, that's one of those things that can help, I think, that net interest income, because that typically, I mean, there's, there's higher deposits, which are essentially zero-interest deposits for the most part, right? So, that, that gives them a little bit more to work with, so to speak. They're bringing in a little bit more than they have to pay out on that side. Uh, one thing I noticed, and I, I wanted just to get your quick uh, feelings on this, there was a question on the call. In regard to the the supply chain disruptions, right? I mean, it's not just semiconductors; it's virtually everything. I mean, and and we're hearing, I mean, you better get you better get holiday shopping now, right? And we're seeing Amazon, Walmart, Target; uh, they're all going to start rolling out this holiday shopping. These holiday shopping promotions early, and and Diamond seems to think. Listen, I mean, this is he he didn't think we're going to be talking much about this stuff in 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 a year, Um, and and that maybe we're focusing on it a little bit too much right now. uh, That it's it's dampening a fairly good economy, not reversing a fairly good economy. Do do you feel like maybe he's a little bit uh, blasé about this? Do you feel like he he kind of kind of just glosses over it? But I mean, I don't know. It, It seems to me like he really. He's not as concerned with it. Where it certainly, it certainly feels like there are others out there who who remain concerned. This could go well into next year.
0: Well, I kind of feel like the supply chain disruptions have la- already lasted longer than a lot of people thought. <laughs> um, the The holiday season it could be interesting, and it's not just supply chain; it's a labor shortage too. Um, what happens every year around the holiday season? Companies like Target and Amazon hire tens of thousands of seasonal workers. They're going to have trouble doing that this year. Um, so you're not only going to have competition for products, but you're going to have you know cr- bigger crowds than the stores' employees can handle in a lot of cases. Um, so that's something to watch too. But I, th- I do th- I see it clearing up early in 2022. I kind I agree with him on that point. Good enough. Well, let's move on to uh, Bank of America, and and again, I, I
1: know this is a bank that you follow closely, a bank that you like. Um, it seemed like it was a pretty good quarter.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to sound like a broken record in some of these, just because. <laughs> Um, I, I always age myself with that phrase, broken record, most people listening don't know what a record is. <laughs> well, um, I mean, vo- voinyls making a comeback,
1: right? Isn't that right, Voinel. Who um, wants a little piece of voinel?
0: <laughs> but anyway, uh, broken record is something that repeats itself for you youngins <laughs> yeah. out there. Um, Bank of America beat on both earnings and revenue, they beat expectations on both. Earnings were up 58% year-over-year, year, um, which is really nice, because remember, there weren't these big reserve releases last year and things like that. And the, it was more going the other direction. Banks were setting aside money in anticipation that, that things were going to get bad. Um, Bank of America released 1.1 billion dollars in the in the quarter, uh, so not quite as much of a reserve release as J.P. Morgan, but still you know over a billion dollars. a billion is a billion. Um, net interest income grew 10 percent year over year, which was nice to see, given that the interest rates are, like I mentioned, are just starting to tick up, um, which was much better than expected. Annualized loan growth is up nine percent quarter over quarter. I think that was the best out of the big banks. Um, so their loan portfolio is growing nicely, um, led by commercial lending, which was nice to see. Um, so co- meaning companies are willing to borrow and spend money more than more than people thought. Uh, investment banking fee incomes up twenty three percent year over year. Uh, advisory revenues, M and A and equity underwriting, which is IPOs, were the strongest parts. That part was up sixty five percent year over year. And they beat uh, their trading revenue, which is, like I've said, notoriously tough to predict. Um, beat on both the fixed income and the equity side, unlike uh, JPMorgan Chase. So, really solid quarter. I would, if I were to give uh, JPMorgan a, a B for the quarter, I'd give Bank of America probably a B plus or A minus.
1: Huh. All right. Well, what? Um... You know, one thing that stood out to me—they have 41 million customers now using their uh, digital platform. Which, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you from the perspective of of a of one of those 41 million, um, and we've been Bank of America customers for a long time. I mean, one of the reasons we are Bank of America customers, I mean, frankly, it's just a headache trying to, <laughs> trying to switch banks. But I mean, even even if I wanted to, I mean, which which we don't. I mean, I, I think that's the key. There is that we really have no reason to we the service is good we think the digital platform is good i mean like it just feels like that's such a sticky uh form of engagement that will keep people in that universe i mean it really is a very user friendly digital uh platform which which uh, to me it feels like they're only going to continue to make those investments and, and and grow that
0: grow that capability out well out of the five we're talking about i i kind of feel like bank of america Took the lead on investing in technology. It feels to me that way as well. Yeah, like I mean, I'm a Wells Fargo customer, and Wells Fargo has a nice, user-friendly app and platform. But I also I use Bank of America for a business account um, related to my real estate investing, and it, it it's a better platform. It just is. It's it's more user-friendly, and you can tell that they spent the money.
1: Yep, yep, indeed. Uh, well, speaking of Wells Fargo, uh, it feels like it's it, things are slowly but surely coming back online for them. Stock continues to have a good year, um, and, and it feels like it feels like this was a pretty good quarter. Maybe not, maybe not a, maybe not, maybe nothing terribly noteworthy, but it felt like it was a pretty good quarter. It kept him kept him going in the right direction
0: yeah, it was a strong quarter. I wouldn't I mean like I said I, I would have give given JP Morgan a B. I would have given Bank of America probably a B plus or a minus. Wells Fargo would get like a B minus to a C. Um, not a bad quarter, but nothing like you said, nothing terribly great. They beat earnings expectations. most of that was because of a reserve release. Um, they they released 1.65 billion. remember uh, Wells Fargo is the most consumer facing out of the five meaning they're not really focused on the investment bank and they loan money. That's how they make their their money. Um, Net interest income was down 5% year-over-year. Remember, I mentioned Bank of America's was up 10%, so their interest income is trending in the opposite direction, which is kind of concerning. So That's probably the biggest ding on the quarter. Um, One thing that's really impressive, they spent $5.3 billion on buybacks in the third quarter alone. Wow, That's an aggressive buyback pace.
1: That is. Um, I
0: mean, I don't have the figure right in front of me, but I want to say Wells Fargo's total market caps in the two hundred billion dollar range. Um, sounds,
1: yeah, that sounds about right. So
0: it, it's th- that means they bought back more than you know, like two point five percent of their share count in the in the third quarter alone.
1: Yeah, one hundred ninety three
0: billion. I'm seeing yeah.
1: right now on Cap IQ.
0: So that's a big buyback pace. That is. Um, consumer loans uh, still down year over year, uh, down two percent from the second quarter. Not terribly concerning about in line with with peers, uh, deposits continue to rise, um, and Wells Fargo is nicely profitable now. Return on equity of eleven point one percent, which is above that magical ten percent threshold. Um, so strong quarter, but nothing to to jump up and down in the street about. Do you feel like the do you feel like the headwinds that they're facing in
1: on the net interest income side? You feel like that's partly due to the fact that regulators are still. Uh, Keeping the growth lid on, so to speak. Like, I mean, they're still they're still not able really to grow, um, and and that that I mean, you're not going to bring those deposits in. I mean, we see we see with JP Morgan and Bank of America, for example, those robust deposit growth numbers. It, you know, I mean, Wells is going to be limited in what they can do there. Do you feel like that's something that plays into that in, net interest income? And, and and if so, then it feels like maybe that's a bit more of a short term concern
0: as opposed to a, a long term one. Oh, absolutely. When I mean when when their peers are growing their their deposit base at 20% year over year, like like in some of these cases, um, yeah. The J.P. Morgan's was up 19% year over year. Bank or Wells Fargo's was up less than 4% year over year. So when you have that big difference in deposit growth, of course it gives the other banks an advantage to to generate more interest income. It gives them more money to lend, even if their loan portfolio is not necessarily growing as fast as they'd like it to. It still gives them that big capital base to lend out and and make money. Um, so Wells Fargo, that's definitely a handicap for them right now.
1: Do you think going forward that these banks, and, I, and I, I, I'm I, going to pick on Bank of America, and JP Morgan, and and Wells specifically here, just because these numbers are so large. I mean, these reserve releases, none, they're no surprise we've been talking about them for a year, um, waiting for this to, to essentially happen. It, it feels like though, that that crutch, they're they're going to have to wean themselves off that crutch. I mean, I don't know how I don't know how how much more they can they can release, t- you know, in order to impact the bottom line, so to speak. It feels like going forward, maybe that there's going to be a little bit more of a burden on these banks to to start growing again. I mean, they're they're going to certainly need to see uh, that that interest rate environment improve a little bit, but but it feels like they can't rely on these uh, reserve releases much longer.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if this if the growth penalty goes on for more than another quarter or two, Wells Fargo is going to they're going to eventually find find difficulty staying above that ten percent ROE uh, metric I just mentioned. What about Citigroup stood out to you this quarter, Matt? It was nice. It was a good quarter. Uh, not <laughs> nothing, nothing terribly impressive. Um, you know, loan growth it was loan their loan portfolio was flat year over year, so you know nothing really to, to report there. Um, strong, pretty strong deposit growth, middle of the pack, seven percent year over year deposit growth. Uh, earnings came in ahead of expectations. were up forty eight percent year over year. Um, revenue beat expectations. Both sides of trading beat expectations. Um, they're one, They're the only major bank with a return on equity below 10%. Though, uh, they're at 9.5 right now, uh, and their overall revenue declined by 1% year over year. So, not a fantastic quarter, but another one I would probably give a C to.
1: And that's a pretty card-heavy bank, isn't it? I mean, they. That's that's a bit more card exposure than the others.
0: They're a very card-heavy like, bank, and yeah. they're a very international-heavy bank. Um, I know they have the most international exposure out of any of the five banks we're talking about. So that's something that's also kind of been weighing on them. Um I mean if you're an international bank and a lot of these international markets have been hit much worse in the US um in the past year or so and you know, they rely on, you know, international commerce, which is, is at a disadvantage right now. Yeah. Um absolutely. so it, it's you know, I'd give it a C. Nothing. Nothing great. Nothing too bad. So Goldman Sachs wrapped it up
1: for us on Friday morning when they announced their quarterly results, and I mean, clearly Goldman is a is a more investment banking uh, centric idea there. Now we can't hold that against them because it looks like investment banking revenue for Goldman uh, did pretty darn well this past quarter, Matt. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they had a pretty strong quarter. Earnings up sixty three percent year over year, um, and that's not due to reserve releases. That's just because their business is making tons of money. Um, revenue grew twenty six percent year over year. Goldman trades at seven point five times trailing twelve month earnings right now. Seven point five times earnings. Not many stocks in wow. the market do that.
1: No. <laughs> um,
0: investment banking revenue you, you mentioned up eighty eight percent year over year. Eighty eight. Um, they beat expectations pretty much across the board throughout their business. Um, and it's not just they're they're trying to kind of pivot away from investment banking you remember they're they're building out their credit card business they have the apple card they have some uh, general motors credit card business um, they're acquiring a fintech lender called green sky that should close in the first quarter of next year um, that part of the business it's still just a small part of the total just doing the quick math in my head it's about 15% of the business the consumer and wealth management division um, but it's growing fast. It's grown. It grew 35% year over year, specifically on higher loan balances. All these other banks, their loan loans were flat. They were down year over year. Goldman's are growing, um, and it just they're building out the credit card business aggressively, and they're doing it in the right way. I mean, Apple's customer base is a pretty desirable one um, to to bring into your ecosystem. Um, so Goldman Sachs, there's really nothing bad to say about the quarter. Um, one thing I would point out is that Goldman Sachs tends to thrive in unusual times. Um, 2021, so far through the first three quarters it's been the most they've earned through three-quarters in their history. But the previous record was in 2009, and we all remember what was happening in 2009, that's when they made the most <laughs> money before this, because it was a, it was a very volatile environment. Their investment banking business does well when companies need to raise capital, when comp- when there's a lot of trade, when there's a lot of uncertainty, which is great for trading, when um, not necessarily IPOs, but when companies are making fire sale acquisitions, which we saw a ton of in the in 2009, um, some of these banks made big acquisitions in the in 2009, and now when Bank of America acquired Merrill Lynch or and Wells Fargo bought Wachovia, um, things like that are great for investment banks who who facilitate those deals. So 2021 has been an unusual year both in terms of IPO volume. If you remember there've been like something like 500 SPACs alone that have gone public uh, in yeah. 2021. So it's been an unusual year, it's been a volatile year both in good and bad ways. And Goldman tends to thrive in those environments. So it's unclear if there how much of their earnings growth is transitory and how much is permanent at this point. But other than that there's not a whole lot negative to say.
1: Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's that's a really good point. I mean, you look at the way the company has performed thus far this year. They've grown book value so seventeen point four percent year to date. Uh, so to your point, yeah, I mean, they're thriving in the uncertainty. I mean, that uncertainty just creates a lot of business for them, and and it feels like. Yeah, it feels like that's the way the the way uh, the rest of the year is going to shake out, and, and and certainly could be into two two thousand twenty two as well. But I guess we will have to have to wait and see. All, all right, so Matt, you were offering some grades along the way, and I wanted to get your. Thoughts on if you if you look at all five banks and these are these are these are banks that you follow closely. You and I talk about these companies a lot. Um, just based on this most recent quarter, if you had to deem one of these
0: five the winner, who won earning season of the five banks this year? I have quarter? to give Goldman Sachs an A. Really, with the, with the asterisk that this is not a normal year. That right. this is that this is a great environment to be in a pure investment bank. Um, so with, with that. I'm going to make a bold prediction and say that Goldman Sachs will be a thousand dollar stock within five years. Wow! Um, I, I think. Well, I'll actually walk that back and say I think Goldman Sachs should be a thousand dollar stock today. <laughs> um, that would that would put it at about twenty-two times earnings, which really isn't much of a stretch when you look at the rest of the market.
1: No, it shouldn't. Yeah, I don't um, feel
0: like it would be. If it turns out they can keep growing their consumer business as they have been, and it looks like their investment banking division. You know, maintains its its lead. I think this could be a this could be their time. Um, they they that's a stock that has not historically gotten the market's love. Um, it, you know, it, it, they had a kind of a negative stigma with, attached to their name for the longest time. They're really trying to renovate or, or reinvent themselves um, with their consumer banking division, which they're doing a fantastic job of. Um, I think I think Goldman Sachs is going to be a a big performer, especially as interest rates rise. As Right now, they're building their consumer banking division into a low-interest environment. So, as rates rise, I think they could be a big winner of that, too. Um, I mean, there's just a lot to like about it.
1: Well, you know, I mean, this past week's Motley Fool Money, Chris Hill asked me that very same question, I was going over these banks for the show. And it's interesting you went with Goldman, because I was noodling between two, it was Goldman and Bank of America. Now, I ended up calling out Bank of America as my winner. Uh, you know, based uh, really, I felt like a revenue growth twelve percent, a fifteen percent boost in deposits. I mean, that that record investment making net income. There's just a lot to like about the quarter. And I thought, you know, I figured, man, when I was picking Bank of America, I thought, you know, Matt Matt Frank would be proud of me for doing this.
0: <laughs> and there you go, picking Goldman. So, well, oh I mean, well. I, I, it's tough to make an argument <laughs> against Bank of America.
1: <laughs> just, I'm just giving you a hard time. It is. I I agree. With you. I mean, to me, it really did. Goldman and Bank of America stood out as the real two winners there. And uh, I think I think you're absolutely right Goldman has a, has a lot going for it so so it wouldn't shock me at all to see them uh, continue that that uh, success uh, Matt before we wrap it up this week let's uh, give our listeners a couple of financial related companies here banks or otherwise with some earnings coming up what's the what's a stock that you are watching this coming
0: earnings season can I say all of them
1: yeah, sure, if you want, <laughs> no. you, you got
0: you to gotta give me a thesis for each. <laughs> well, I, I mentioned that I'm watching SoFi very closely this quarter, um, and I'm going to be watching a lot of these real estate stocks. Um, I don't know if you saw the news today that Zillow um, is, is stopping their iBuying business for the rest of I the year. I did see that, yeah. So, I want to see if companies like Opendoor, ticker symbol O-P-E-N, are having similar issues cuz they're stopping it because it's going so well they're at, they have a too big of a backlog so i want to see if the, their rivals have a similar thing going so i'll be watching kind of all the i buying businesses zillow open door redfin etc um yeah, yeah, so those are that, good. i guess that kind of counts as financials real estate used to be in the financial sector we talk about real estate all the time on this show it
1: absolutely counts we we deem it as worthy on this show for sure um well good. Yeah. So I'm gonna, you know, Matt, I'm gonna be jumping on a plane on Thursday and I'm flying down to Georgia. I'm flying to Atlanta, drive down to Moultrie. Go uh go see my folks for a few days playing the uh, playing my dad's member guest down there and so in honor of going down to Moultrie Georgia, Georgia this weekend um keeping a keeping an eye on Ameris Bank core I'm sure I'm sure I'm gonna talk to a couple of a couple of the guys down there but the stock has had a good year uh up thirty six percent year to date up a hundred percent over the last twelve months actually uh, I I'm I'm interested to hear their take on commercial real estate particularly given the Fidelity deal that closed back in the middle of two thousand and nineteen um, we. We we're talking about Goldman Sachs growing that book value and, and Ameris continues to grow tangible book value uh, as well noted that last quarter was growing at an annualized rate of 20% for the year so uh, earnings for Ameris are out on October 28th and I will be very interested to see what they have to say uh, until then Matt, I think that's going to do it for us I, I appreciate you taking the, the time to go through all these earnings reports and uh and and uh give us your uh, give us your thoughts today
0: all right, we'll have to talk about some of the smaller banks that are set to report in this coming week, like Ameris and some of the others. Uh, they're always fun to watch because they're a little—they have different dynamics than the big banks in terms of like regulation and stuff like that. Absolutely,
1: look forward to it. Well, as always, folks, you can reach out to us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus, or you can drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.